conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and I am joined once again by Richard Newby, and we are talking all about Batman comics today. We have a couple that we are discussing. The first one we're going to dive into is Batman Dark Knight, Dark City, which is Batman number 452 to 454, and Batman Gothic, which is Legends of the Dark Knight, number six through 10. I know there's a couple different Legends of the Dark Knight runs, if I'm not mistaken, but we're talking about the older one, not the most recent one. But Richard, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course. And these were two comics that you recommended because we were kind of going back and forth. I was like, okay, here's what I've covered. Here's what other people want to do, what's been claimed already, but not necessarily recorded. So you hit me with these recommendations and I was like, I don't know anything about these really. So I was excited. And like I said, we're going to start with Dark Knight, Dark City here. And this is a little Riddler story, which is fitting since the Batman just came out recently. And this is by Peter Milligan with pencils by Kieran Dwyer, inks by Dennis Janky. Jank? I'm not sure on that one. Letters by John Costanza and colors by Adrian Roy. And (laughs) these comics are very much of the time, which I kind of love because the way that Batman is drawn is just so different era to era. (laughs) And this is sort of like the long, tall, looming era of Batman with the really massive flashy capes and it is an experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very it's very dramatic. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about what drew you to Dark Knight, Dark City. Was it just because the Batman was coming out and you knew the Riddler's the main villain in that? Or had you read this particular story prior to reading stuff for the movie? Because I know you do deep dives as things are starting to come out, which I try to do, not to the extent that you do. But what was it that drew you to this comic in particular? Yeah, so I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Grant Morrison's Batman run and then subsequently Scott Snyder's. Um, and both of those runs dealt with uh, Barbados, which is this kind of demon that's like in the foundations of Gotham. And so I had read an interview a while ago you know, about... Grant Morrison's inspiration for, you know, his run, and he attributed a lot of that to, to Peter Milligan in, in Dark Knight, Dark City. Um, and so I had picked up uh, a trade of it a while ago, um, and I hadn't gotten to it, but I remember, you know, that it was a, a Riddler story. And so I had read it for the first time um, about a, a month or so before uh, before the Batman came out. So it's a pretty it's a pretty recent read for me. I, I had known the the overall plot, but I hadn't actually you know, read it until recently. Yeah. And you have so many different Batman stories over the years that there's room, I think, for all these sort of different iterations and the facial expressions that Batman has in Dark Knight, Dark City. It was just like so smirky at times. And it's like, it made it a little harder, admittedly, to like Batman every now and then throughout this quick little three issue story. But because of what the Riddler is doing, like he is out here stealing babies. 
there are lines you do not cross. <laughs> and he is out here crossing all of them. But at the same time, what really intrigued me was the fact that Riddler didn't want to kill Batman. He would kill the people he was working with if they even tried to lay a hand on Batman. And I think that dynamic worked really well. Yeah. And like one of the things that I think is really cool about this story is that this is kind of like the first dark Riddler story. Because I mean, before this, you know, Riddler, he leaves riddles and he goes on crime sprees and burglaries and stuff. But he was never, he was never a murderous character. Um, and this was like kind of the major shift uh, in his characterization with this story. And so that's kind of really interesting to see too. Um, you know, you have... I think a more a more vengeful uh Riddler. And I think that, you know, this this plays into some of what you see in, in later comics where, you know, the Riddler definitely, you know, he feels that he's, you know, almost undermined or underestimated by Batman, um, you know, in, in terms of his rose gallery. So this was kind of the start of that, of Riddler, you know, basically trying to prove himself as a more capable adversary. Yeah, and He's also going after cops in this. He is using Batman as a means to an end. And there's a ton of lore in these three issues, which I wasn't expecting. I will say that some of these stories that sort of have the handwritten lettering can be a little tough to read. Like I found myself needing to focus a little more to try and read the words. But, you know, this is going back to this late 1700s with Jacob Stockman and this whole bat ritual. And there's so much packed into these three issues. It's kind of wild. And I think, honestly, just reading it once, you don't catch everything, which I only read it once for this. But it's something that I could easily see myself revisiting because it is only three issues. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice short story. Um, the other thing I, I love about the kind of lore is also how it just like kind of implicates real people. Like Thomas Jefferson is a central figure uh, in in this uh, early story, and so I always think it's it's interesting when comics, you know, kind of utilize real people and you know rumors, um, you know about actual actual figures. Yeah. So for me, this was just fun to dive into because I've never been a person who will sit here and say I'm an expert on any topic. Like I have read every fiction novel and pretty much story that Stephen King has written. And I still feel like I don't know (laughs) all that much about Stephen King. And it kind of feels like no matter how many comics I've read, there's still something new to discover. And that's what this was for me with Dark Knight, Dark City. It was just something I hadn't read before. And frankly, I don't think I've read too much from this era in general. Like I have read Grant Morrison's Batman run with, you know, Batman and Son, Batman and Robin, Batman Inc. And, you know, we're we're going to talk about Gothic shortly, but I hadn't read that, <laughs> you know, really. And with Peter Milligan's stuff, this makes me want to dive into more of what he wrote, because I imagine he had a pretty lengthy run, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, and uh, yeah, he's I mean, he's one of those those writers that has been in comics for a long time. But I feel like 
not that many people, you know, kind of talk about him. I think part of that is because, you know, there's not really extensive collections for his work yet that DC has put out. Um, and I, I think, you know, a lot of people, at least for me, like I, you know, do most of my Batman reading through trades. Um, and so, you know, that's that's kind of how I, you know, got got a chance to to read this. Um, there's probably, I'm sure there's more on the, the DC uh, Universe app. But uh, yeah, he's 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 very prolific, and I feel like you know we kind of as a as a comic community don't talk about his contributions uh, enough. Yeah, so I think I am going to have to go back and read some more stuff because I actually grabbed DC Universe Infinite again for a month to read this stuff, and I might as well go through and read some more stuff because my thing is. I, I really should just pay for the whole year again, but I had paid for the whole year as soon as DC Universe Infinite came out, and then I found that I was reading more Marvel stuff last year because of all of the shows. So then I, I canceled DC Universe Infinite, and of course, because I canceled it, I then had to read a bunch of DC comics <laughs> for the podcast because I was reading a bunch of Dick Grayson stuff for a an episode earlier this month and then this stuff. And, you know, I was like, I'll just grab the month and I'll see how much I read this next month. And then if I, you know, find myself wanting to dig into stuff more, I'll just get the whole year again. And it's it's been a whole thing over here with me and my uh, comic book spending, if you will. But Richard, is there anything else you want to mention about Dark Knight, Dark City? I just think it's a not necessarily a fun Riddler story because it covers a lot of dark subject matter, which it's Batman. So of course it's going to, but I really did enjoy this one. Yeah, I did too. You know, one of the things I think is interesting too, is just like looking at the relationship between Batman and Gordon and Batman and Alfred and this, um, you know, cause you had mentioned earlier, but you know, it's clearly, it's, it's so different because it's part of a, you know, it's it's an earlier time, and so we're not used to seeing this kind of, like, lighter Batman. Well, like, even though he's dealing with children being kidnapped and blood sacrifices and this kind of, you know, supernatural foundation of Gotham, like, he seems much healthier, I think, than some of the, you know, modern interpretations of Batman in terms of his, like, mental state. You know, him and him and Alfred are like kind of like working on this together, uh, which is kind of fun. And I think we kind of see that play off a little bit like in a, you know, a darker way in the Batman. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this is a it's, a it's a fun story. But I also think it's kind of interesting of how it kind of ties into what Matt Reeves did. Um, I definitely think that this was kind of an inspiration despite, you know, that film not having the same kind of tone. Um, but in terms of you know, the Riddler with this, uh, you know, higher agenda, basically, and the murder is kind of being for a larger purpose. Um, you know, even though it's not supernatural in the film, there is, you know, I think something kind of uh, mysterious or, you know, a little bit of a, it, it still seems like a little bit of a, a sacrificial process. Absolutely. And I will give a quick little shout out to the character designs in this because like I said, Batman has a very specific look and, you know, the Riddler sort of has on the iconic green question mark suit and the little bowl hat and it works really well. But shall we move on to Batman Gothic? Yes. All right. This one written by 
Grant Morrison with Klaus Jansen, colors by Steve Bucciolato, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, and the one thing that these two comics have in common, letters by John Costanza. So (laughs) that was just a fun little thing there, which, you know, you'll see the same person lettering a lot of comics just because, frankly, I don't think there are a ton of people doing that. It seems like a much smaller group of people in comparison to, you know, writers and artists, for instance. But this has a brutal opening. Yeah, definitely. It's it's actually like a little bit shocking in terms of how how dark it is in that opening. Um, and it's, you know, it's the, the whole Legends of the Dark Knight thing. You know, it was stories that took place around year one and year two. So it kind of used what Frank Miller did with year one as a template to tell these, you know, other Batman stories of his early years. And so I think that you definitely get that similar kind of feel, um, you know, through, especially through Klaus Janssen's uh, artwork and kind of the, you know, the whole uh, mob aspect of it. And the mob has played a big role in Batman comics over the years. We saw it in the Batman movie, not going to give any spoilers away for that or anything, but there is this essence of Gotham, if you will, where it just attracts the worst of the worst. And anyone who has read or watched anything about actual mobs knows they're not great. You know, sure, today mobs aren't what they used to be, but Gotham seems to just be stuck in this vicious cycle, which comes out a lot in this story because you have that moment where all of these mob guys are freaking out because Mr. Whisper has returned. And honestly, not a villain I know a ton about. So that was also a nice thing when reading this one. And you have the mob guys turning on the bat signal, but upside down, I believe it was. And Batman is livid in this. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's a really like interesting, you know, moment because the, the mob is basically asking, you know, Batman for help to, you know, get them out of the sight lines of this Mr. Whisper guy. And, you know, Batman is not, <laughs> he's not having it. Like, he's not for it. Despite the fact that you have this evil, potentially supernatural... Mr. Whisper, uh, you know, Batman is still looking at the larger picture of Gotham and kind of how the mob has affected the city. And so he's in an interesting place, I think, in this one caught between, you know, this this ancient evil and this kind of like modern evil that's shaping the city. Yeah. You also have a moment where Batman calls himself the king of hell and That kind of shocked me because I was like, this is kind of a Batman I haven't seen before. (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely very, like, aggro in this. I think this, like, really, like, goes back to, like, the kind of early idea of, like, criminals being a cowardly and superstitious lot and Batman kind of playing into that factor. Like, this very much feels like a Batman who is trying to basically present himself as a myth um, or an urban legend. And so it's interesting because... You know, then he is confronted with this, you know, real urban legend of of Mr. Whisper. Right. And you also see sort of the mental aspect of this with the dreams that Bruce keeps having. And at one point he tells Alfred, there's a warning, but I can't remember it. 
And I think that just goes to show how much this particular thing has been tormenting him. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the flashbacks, like, to his school days, too, I think are really interesting because that's also, you know, something that we haven't really seen a lot of in, in Batman comics. Um, and I find the whole situation with Mr. Whisper being a teacher at the, the boarding school, I find it really chilling. It's darker than I expected the story to get, I guess I'd say. Yeah. And again, this one has that same thing that we mentioned in Dark Knight, Dark City, where they'll change up the font. But I think the way that they portray the lore in both is very similar. It's consistent. And I am so impressed with what Morrison did with this comic because of the fact that it's not a massive villain that a lot of people know a ton about. I'm sure there are plenty of people who know more about Mr. Whisper than you and I do, but I went into this having no clue who the villain was. And when they're like, Mr. Whisper is back and they were all terrified of him, I was like, ooh, who is this guy? Tell me more. And they give you some backstory on the character. And honestly, it's enough to make me want to go back and see where else this character appears. Yeah, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think that this is the only time that he's used, which is kind of interesting too. He's not one of the reoccurring villains. And I don't even think that uh, that Morrison, yeah, Morrison didn't even use uh, him in his run. But I think that, you know, it's kind of interesting in its, in its correlation to Dark Knight, Dark City, which like influenced Morrison, um, is that like these stories both are kind of dealing with not only the supernatural, but this idea that like Bruce's life and identity as Batman like was perhaps guided by some like unseen ancient force, uh, which I think is really interesting too, because it, it goes beyond just like kind of the political conspiracy, which we've seen in, in, in several Batman movies uh, in terms of the death of Thomas and Martha. But this kind of like presents it as you know, something else almost, you know, as if Batman is the result of these elemental forces. Uh, and I think that's really interesting too, because, you know, we don't, we don't get a ton of supernatural Batman stories because he's very much kind of a logic based and scientific based person. And so I love it when he's kind of caught off guard by, you know, the, the supernatural or, you know, this, this idea that he doesn't really know Gotham and its history as well as he thought. Yeah, and that is a fair point by you that Mr. Whisper does not appear in anything else, which is kind of amazing because with a character like that, you could do so much with him, especially since we were given the context of he already terrorized these mobsters once. You could you know, go explore some of that more, like what happened between the time they sunk him with the anchor and when he finally started attacking them again because they said something like 25 years had passed right yeah that's a lot of time <laughs> yeah I, I i would love to see it explored again in the in the future that's one of the things that you know i think always kind of attracts me to comics is that i think there's so much potential for a lot of you know villains that we haven't seen uh, in a while, like as much as I love, you know, the big name Rose Gallery, like I love the Joker, I love Two-Face and, you know, Penguin and all those guys. But I feel like 
there's a chance to do some really interesting stories that will catch, you know, both Batman and readers off guard by tapping into some of these, these lesser known characters in their histories. Yeah. And, you know, with Dark Knight, Dark City, obviously Riddler's a very well-known <laughs> Batman villain at this point, but to go from that kind of story to this and see these sort of same tones throughout and the idea of you know this ritual in dark knight dark city and then sort of this immortality in batman gothic with mr whisper this was a very good pairing so kudos to you for that because i i would not have thought to do either of these as you know an episode but i had a really great time and i don't know what it is for me about Batman necessarily, but maybe it's because I like Stephen King and horror so much that I kind of lean towards these darker characters in comics as well. But Batman is one of those characters where there is so, so much to explore. Like, I have not read Nightfall or Contagion or any of those sort of big, massive storylines because I really started reading Batman with Scott Snyder's run. And then I went back and I found the Black Mirror, Grant Morrison's run, the Frank Miller stuff, and I have skipped so much. And I think that's fine, too, because the character does have so much. But this is a particular era with both Milligan and Morrison's gothic run that I'd really love to dive into more. Yeah, and like the other cool thing is that both of these stories came out in 1990, and uh, Dark Knight, Dark City ended one month after Gothic did. And so, you know, it's not like these writers were collaborating or anything, uh, and, you know, in terms of the way that we see kind of big, overarching, multi title arcs these days. So it was just like kind of interesting that there's just like something in the atmosphere at the time that kind of you know, made these two writers, uh, you know, follow these these similar thematic threads. Uh, I think that's really, that's really neat. Yeah. And I think, you know, I have said everything I personally have to say about these two. And, you know, this was just eight issues. So it's not like we're talking about this big, massive run. Like if I tried to talk about Morrison's actual Batman run or Snyder's in one episode, we'd be here for hours because I'm looking at my shelf now and Snyder's run has 10 trades and, you know, we'll call it five issues each, if you will. I know it's probably more or less in some cases, but, you know, it's at least 50 to 60 issues and it's such a big sprawling thing when you talk about someone's entire run. And I frankly think you can't really do a single episode on someone's entire run. But to just sort of get this little glimpse at what Morrison did and what Milligan did, I think, paired very nicely. And is there anything else in particular you would love to you would like to bring up about either of these? Again, like I just I really love the idea of that Batman's fate, you know, the, the the idea that he is Batman because of these supernatural forces being so prevalent in both of these books. Um, and it's something that I kind of hope, like, the movies explore in some way in the future. Um, you know, not necessarily in, in Reeves' franchise, 
but yeah, I just I love the whole concept of you know this this supernatural aspect guiding his life. Um, but it's also just like interesting that you know we've seen the threads of this story kind of build and grow over the years. Um, you know, in terms of of Morrison's use of uh, Doctor Hurt, um, who feels very much like he could have been cut from the same cloth as Mister Whisper. Um, the use of, of Barbados and both him and and Snyder's run, and yet a different approach. Like he's he is a crisis level event. You know, by the time you get to to Snyder's metal, and you know here it's it's something much more subdued. And so I love the idea of like this threat kind of growing uh, over time. And so you know, for me, both of these books just kind of like speak to so much of what I love about comics is just like the kind of passing the torch aspect. Like I love that you know both of these writers develop these stories and these threads were, were picked up later either, you know, by, by the same writer again or by other writers. Um, you know, so I, I love that kind of, uh, brick building aspect of, of comic book lore. Oh, absolutely. Totally agree with you there. And just to hit some quick recommendations here, I'm actually going to recommend Batman RIP. And I think, you know, just dive into anything from Morrison's run to I know Batman Incorporated, maybe not everyone's favorite, but I recall really enjoying Batman RIP. And I think there's a lot to unpack with his run if you want to dive into it even more. So there's definitely plenty there. But is there anything you want to recommend, Richard? I know you went through and you read a ton of stuff before the movie. So it might be a little more fresh for you. Yeah, um, I recommend Batman Ego. Um, that's a really interesting one um, that explores kind of Batman's psyche in a unique way. Basically, this idea that, you know, Batman is a separate identity, a kind of uh, darker manifestation that Bruce Wayne kind of has to like make a pact with to, you know, keep its darker impulses in check. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, and then, um, you know, in terms of the, the Barbados stuff, um, I would recommend uh, Scott Snyder's Dark Knight's Metal, um, which was a really cool, just kind of like follow up on some of the, the groundwork laid by Milligan. That is one that I need to dive into. I read Snyder's stuff through, you know, Batman Bloom and the epilogue that was released in trade. And then I kind of fell off of comics for a bit which is probably around the time I started doing a Stephen King podcast, which is not a coincidence. <laughs> but as you know, Richard, I have had a lot of reading to do for both of my podcasts. So keeping up with stuff, just even on a month to month basis, is a little tough. So I'm always, you know, in like Marvel Unlimited, or like I was saying earlier, DC, getting DC Universe Infinite again to sort of try and play catch up. So I will have to add that one to my list to get to. But thank you so much for joining me. I know we kept this a little short here, but I think I mostly want to encourage people to go read these things. I don't want to, you know, give them a page by page breakdown. So then there's nothing left for them to be excited by. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was a this is a fun conversation. I'm glad that we got to talk about these. Because uh, you know, these were these were recent reads for me as well. So it was you know, nice to get to talk about something that's kind of fresh for me and also that isn't something that's been, you know, 
covered or, or read a ton. Yeah, it was fantastic to dive into these. And I love when I read something and it just gets me excited to dive into more. But I'm sure you will be back on because we both love talking comics. And thank you again. Yes, thank you all. I'll come back anytime. 